The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! Doing a show today? Is that what's going on? I was a little busy doing other things. Sorry. <laughs> I don't even have my sponsors up. So completely. I was here an hour and a half early and I'm still not prepared. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Story of my life. Right? Well, when you got women this hot around, it's hard to think. <laughs> Alrighty. Hi, how you guys doing? My name's Tom Duggan here with the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, top Two Guys Smoke Shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. I say we just sit here and listen to Melvin Taylor all day. That's what I say. <laughs> I'm good with that. We'll eat the food that Joel brought. And oh, you got food? Smoke buns. Oh, yeah. Just have, a, have, yeah. have an afternoon. Smoke them if you got them. <laughs> all righty. Should have picked up a cigar downstairs before. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I thought about it. Right? I, I thought about it. And then we could have promoted the cigar shop, too. <laughs> Crossover promotions all the time. So we've got a uh, very interesting show for you guys today. I'm going to forego my normal uh, rant at the beginning of the show. You guys, I'm sure, all saw the, the what they call the debate last night. We're, we're, let's, fi- let's face something. Let's just stop calling things things that they're not. That was not a debate last night, okay? And I'm not going to get into a big rant because I've, I have guests here. But I, I do want to say uh, we watched it last night. Um, we had a watch party at the office. And you just can't say... Please give me your entire philosophy on how you're going to bring about world peace. You've got two minutes. I mean, you just can't, you just can't do that. And then 15-second responses. 15 seconds. How do you respond to anything in 15 seconds? And, and most of those questions, I've sat on this table twice now right. with you for debates. You would have called out bullshit on, on half of those answers. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm going to ask you a question, and then the, the answer has nothing to do with it right. when you're going backwards. Right. So nope. it, I don't basically if you were a Democrat and supported Biden, you know Biden and Harris before mm-hmm. they won, right? If you supported Trump and Pence, no tr- Pence, Pence won. won, right? There's yeah. really no one was swung by either right. of those last night, and they I don't even know why they have a moderator. They should do the point. Tom Duggan style debates when I have you guys here for your, the candidates at election time. I throw out a topic and say, "What do you think about you know residency, whatever, trash barrel rollout." Go. And I let them talk to each other. And if somebody says something that we know isn't true, I'll stop them and say, hold on. That's not exactly true. And, and then we'll let the other person speak and, and, and let them talk. But this, I never time the answers, right? We, we say we've got like 90 minutes. And if one person's dominating, I'll stop them and say, give the other person a chance. But how do you, how do you have a debate for president of the United States or vice president of the United States and say, uh, give me your, your, your philosophy on, on the judiciary and the Supreme Court. You have two minutes. Two minutes isn't even an introduction. And they didn't have, any, they didn't have opening statements. And they didn't have closing statements. And the reason why opening statements and, uh, and closing statements are important is because the media is deciding what these topics are. And an opening and closing statement by the candidates gives them an opportunity to bring up an issue that they know the media is not going to bring up. Well, especially in the vice president uh, debate, because this is the only one. Right. You know, that would have been, I feel like an opening and closing statement would have been beneficial to that, because now we're not going to see those guys in that format again. Right. At least the president, well, we don't know if it's going to happen next week. It was supposed to go via Zoom, and it seems like yeah, President it's Trump's really pushing back yeah. on that. He does so, not want to do it. So the, so the voice you're hearing, if you're listening on Spotify or Google Play or any of the audios, is Joel Ferretra. He's a Methuen City Council. He's not here for that today. He's here to talk about food. Um, but I just wanted to let you guys know who that was. So uh, whatever that was last night, it was not a debate. I don't even know what it was. It wasn't even really a forum. Um, I think it was just a, in, an opportunity for – I mean, why do we even have debates or forums for vice president? Nobody cares. Vice president. The fly won. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, who cares what Mike Pence thinks? He's not president. 
I mean, Mike Pence could think a whole bunch of things that Donald Trump doesn't like, and then it's not going to get done. So, like, why do we even do this? Like, pretty why- much the whole debate is them defending their candidate right. on what their on what their plan is. Right. And, what, and I'd rather hear from the candidate. Right. I don't want to hear somebody else defending it. I want to hear the candidate do it. So, anyways, um, Joel is here. We also have. Uh, one of my girls is here. I promised you guys, right? I promised you guys that I'd have two beautiful women here today. Look at this. I've got Christina Lynn is with us. Yeah. And how's the family? Good. Mom's, do, mom's good. doing okay. Everyone's great. I love mom. Yeah, she's awesome. She's the best. This is me biting my tongue, though, because <laughs> it's something else I'm not supposed to say. And Gianna is here with us. Gianna, thank you for coming. Okay, I wanna, I'm going to um, – it's Ginian. Ginian? Yes. Why do you have to make it so difficult for other people? <laughs> Gianna, I like that. You though. like that though? Can I we like- just change it to Gina? That just makes it easy no, for everybody. Goodness, no, no, Ginian. G. Can I just call you G? Ginian. I'm. I don't. I'm not going to get it right. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to write it down. All right. So write it's it down. Ginian. Yep. All right. All right. I got it written down. So they're here to talk about addiction. And before we before we get into the serious topics, um, I figured we let Joel go first, talk about food, and then he can hang out with us and we can eat the food while you guys are talking about addiction. All Absolutely. Right. <laughs> because we, this is actually, by the way, we didn't we didn't tell Joel, but this is actually an intervention for Joel. <laughs> this is an addiction food in, food addiction inter, uh, food addiction uh, interact inter. I can't even say it right. <laughs> Can't even say what a straight Inter- intervention. <laughs> um, so Joel is our food columnist, and it's one of the things I've been wanting to do in the Valley Patriot for a while, but didn't have anybody to do it. And that is somebody that could go around to local eateries, local restaurants, try the food, rate them publicly, let people know what the good places are, what places maybe they could use a little work on their service or their food. And uh, Joel has been our food guy now for about six months. Took some time off for COVID, but. Um, I'm getting a lot of email. People loving your column. That's great. I'm, loving it. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. You know, like this month's column, I, I ventured off a little bit. I did the beer. Yep. And I really enjoyed it. And you can, I think some of the, you know, some of the columns, I, you can definitely tell, like the Miller's Tavern one a couple of months back. I, you know, just great experiences mm-hmm. there. John at Bada Bing and that restaurant. You know, right. you get to meet a lot of great people and, you know, give that feedback. And like for the Bada Bing, John reached out to me after last month's column. He's like, Thank you. You know, like, so I was talking about the North Ender, which is this bad boy right here. And that's you know, from Bada Bing? This is from Bada Bing. It's anyone, ta- Italian sausage. Is there any way we can zoom in on that? Is that possible? Wait, he's going to try yep. anyway. Italian sausage right, with peppers and onions. Look at that. We have camera control and everything. <laughs> yeah. I wish we knew. <laughs> that thing is Look at that. beautiful. It's so thick. So I mentioned, I'm like, but there's so many toppings on it. It kind of falls apart. So we do it a, now it's a little more well done it's a little more sturdy excellent yeah i like my pizza well done too yeah it's gonna have the it's gonna have a crisp gonna have a yeah, bite yeah yeah i agree and then you know my my go-to sub when you and i first met we right. went there for lunch and we got the barbecue and the buffalo chicken cheesesteak but he has this new sub called the vinnie boom bats and it's a chicken parm eggplant parm with a little you know grated cheese on the top and it's just it's just unbelievable so I can see if I can get that zoomed in yeah, there yeah, for zoom you. There Look at you that. Go. Look at that. That's a, yeah. We were going to go out for dinner afterwards. I think we're just going to eat your food. That's fine. <laughs> That's why I brought it. So, you know, it's. I think it kind of happened when we. I was here after the after the campaign, and we were just talking about other things. And then it kind of morphed into the food, right? And then it kind of took a well, life. Of when we own. went to lunch, normally, like, and I, it had been a long time since I'd been to Bada Bang. So I'm looking at the at the uh, menu, and I, I I had settled on what I wanted, and he said, "What are you going to get?" And I told him, and he said, "No, no, 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 you got to try." It was the barbecue chicken steak. Yeah, cheese, cheese steak. Yeah, cheese so. steak sub. He said, "You got to try." So I love people that are enthusiastic about food because I love I eat out all the time, and I tried it, and I took like two bites. And I'm like, I need three of these to go, please. <laughs> <laughs> Bring these home and, and 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 gouged on them. And then I, and we were talking, and I was thinking about it afterwards. I'm like, well, he, if he's really good at food, like he's good at like recommending food, he should be doing that. We should yeah. do that in the Valley Patriot. Yeah, this body doesn't lie. Yeah, you know, this isn't an accident. You know, it's been years and years of neglect and yeah. abuse. Yeah. So he says with pride. Yes, I love it. I love so. it. But no, you know, so it, it's definitely opened up. You know, my eyes to places maybe I wouldn't have went in the past, mm-hmm. and so you know. With, with the beach pizza, I'm like, all right, I'll try that. Compare it to Tripoli's, compare it to Piero's. Right. What was your favorite? I forget. Was it was it Piero's? I liked Piero's. Yeah. It reminded me, you know, I was I'm it originally. So going to the bakeries, that bakery pizza, a little bit of the sweeter. Right. I, I like Tripoli's. I you know I was disappointed in beach pizza. There was, yeah. But um, yeah. So if I was gonna go between Tripoli's or beach pizza, it's Tripoli's all day. But 
There's something, it's always better if you get it at the beach. As right. I agree with you. Yeah. I agree. It somehow better. tastes better it over does. there. Yeah. So. so have you tried, and I haven't been there yet, and it's just my, it's just because of the COVID and everything else. Um, there's a new restaurant that opened right before COVID. You feel so bad for them, Savastano's. I was across there. Across the I was there, and then I had an emergency, and I had to leave. I was meeting um, Diana Desaglia. They were going to have breakfast. I would leave food to go meet with Diana yeah, Desaglia, but then, too. And then I had, I had an emergency in my house, so I had to leave, but I'm definitely planning to go back because I've heard great things about their lunch. Yep. Um, but they close, early, they close early, they, though, They're right? like a 7 to 2. Okay. I was in there. I met John, the owner, and I've been kind of skeptical about going inside of restaurants to eat. Mm-hmm. But this is, So this is my first time I went in there. And he's done so much work in there. And a lot of people don't realize how much money these restaurants are putting into precautions to make sure that you're safe. So there's barriers everywhere you can go because he doesn't have any place outside where you can set up tables. Right. So everything is spaced out. There's plastic, you know, there's plexi dividers in between benches. You know, so I felt pretty safe in there that with, with the environment and staff doing what they need to do in there that it would be a fine place to go eat and you'd walk out of there feeling safe, you know? So now when COVID first hit, we did uh, takeout at uh, Miller's Tavern. Because before Miller's Tavern, we were in there all the time, before, right. before COVID. Um, and, and I was really disappointed at the, at the takeout during COVID. Have they gotten better? I haven't, I, I haven't done the takeout, but I've been back there a few times since they reopened and sat on that covered open seating. And I felt like they they got better from when I was there the first time. Okay. You know, I was there the day it opened right. <laughs> we were there and you know there was obviously little glitches that they needed to work out but when i went back after they were able to open the outdoor seating i felt like the food was better i i'm not a big fan of going to restaurants that normally don't do takeout and then switch the takeout right you know i feel you know they, i feel like those restaurants behind the eight ball you know you're dealing with regular pizza places who who do that all the time so now you're trying to recreate the wheel and try to figure out, all right, how do I, right. how do, I do this to go? Because I love the Irish nachos. I, love, I mean, th- when we were there inside before COVID, the appetizers were like better, than the, better than the actual entrees. I, I agree. I, you right? know, my wife loves their, their pretzels, yep. you, know, they, you know, the warm pretzels that come out. We've had the nachos a couple of times and other appetizers. And then the meal is like, oh, yeah, it was okay. But, yeah. you know, it's, at other times I'm like, we were just going to go there for drinks and apps. And then – Now, what's this new place, Ellie's, that I know they did like a ribbon cutting and I couldn't get there because well, it was like an ungodly hour, like 11 a.m. 11, 11 on a Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't go as well. 11 a.m. I'm still sleeping at I was, 11 a.m. I was still on quarantine because I, I was having my surgery the next day, so I couldn't go. So it seems like an upscale diner almost. Okay. You know, they're breakfast and lunch only, you know, so – those types of food, but it seems like they have a lot of, you know, different varieties that I've seen lots of places, lots of reviews online that have said really good things. So my hope is to get there as part of my column for next month. Right. I, I, I'm still, as a food guy like you, I'm still really upset that there's, now that Denny's has closed, that there's no 24-7 breakfast place to go to. Because I'm a late night guy, right? I'm up, I don't, I don't go to bed till 5 a.m. So we're up late. And sometimes we're at the office and it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. It's like, you know what? Let's go out for breakfast. We used to go to Denny's or even like IHOP. They used to be open 24-7. Yeah. And now there's no place that's open for breakfast 24-7. There's no diners. And, and the diners that open in the morning for breakfast, they consider breakfast because like everybody has this time. Because like, most people are on, on real time, not like me. You're right. And, you know, you go to, like, uh, a, a breakfast place like Al's Diner, like, at 2 in the afternoon. They're not open because they're a breakfast place, right? They close right. at, like, 10 or 11. See, I grew up with the, I grew up with the Howard Johnsons. Right. In Medford. So there was, right. you know, on the weekends, you'd go, show up there at 1 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. after maybe going out a couple other places, and they'd have their breakfast, midnight breakfast buffet, and right. you would just do damage right. on that. But, yeah, so you, after if somebody night opens, going out. And- if somebody opens an all-night breakfast place in the Merrimack Valley, they will kill it. <laughs> they will kill it because uh, first I'll be there with my laptop twenty four seven. I'll probably never leave, <laughs> right? But I feel um, like it's not just a even like a Taco Bell, you know, mm-hmm. a drive like those places just should be open at one two in the morning because that's your crowd, right? You know, you're out all night. You're doing now like, hey, I'm going to go get a six pack of tacos right. before I head home, and those even close at ten and eleven. I don't right. think there's a lot of places, and I don't even know if you can stay open late right now at this point because no, of, you can't. Prior prior to COVID, there was a bunch of places, um, Dominican places in Lawrence. I don't think they were supposed to be open, but they were open till they would stay open till three and serve food. Right. Because the bars would get out at like one, and then people drive around and they meet their friends in a parking lot, and they all then they all go looking for a place to eat. So there are all these little little pockets of places in Lawrence. And since COVID, the bars still aren't open. 
So the food places aren't open. So literally, like after eleven o'clock at night, there's no place to get food. Yeah, you, know, a- you got a twenty-four hour McDonald's on Essex Street. I think you got one on Havel Street, McDowan. Right, and that's about it. Like seriously, if you're hungry at that time of night, you're screwed. Yeah, a little bit of a different turn, but there's a now there's a barbecue truck in Lawrence. They park on the weekends over near the stadium called Bar- Boston Barbecue. That I've seen phenomenal things about. Really, got to go try. It. I love food. No, are they twenty-four-seven. I'll follow him no, around. I think I'll drive around and follow him. <laughs> it seems like he's only he's there Fridays and then there Saturdays and Sundays until they sell out. But mm-hmm. food trucks are great. The, mm-hmm. the mayor and I have talked about. And then COVID hit about like a food truck festival in Methuen, you know, somewhere where you just get a bunch of food trucks in, mm-hmm. rope it off, and just go from truck to truck and do some samples. And but can I ask you a council question? Absolutely. So with with um, Methuen's back in the red on COVID, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, what is the council and the city doing to help small businesses that are now going through this? We've got no stimulus, right? We had the first one, but that didn't last, and we got no, we have no stimulus right now. And because we're in the red, people are scaling back, and it's financially destroying businesses in Methuen. What are you guys doing? Anything? So I know um, Councilwoman Ziegler with the economic, you know, they've been, they have that program for businesses five or less, which is a very small number, <laughs> who are eligible for the loans, um, for the grants from the state of about $10,000. Um, I think right now, because of the fact that there's no money coming in from the state or the federal government at this point to help them out. I know I go to as many small businesses as I can in Methuen and push my friends, stay local, you know, don't go to Target, mm-hmm. don't go to Walmart, you know, do the best you can to support these businesses because they're the backbone, you know. But can the council do stuff like, you know, businesses have to get their fry letter permits renewed every so many years. They have to get their business permits renewed. How about like waiving those permits and helping them out? Like, you know, if a new business wants to open, God bless them. You know, we should be we should be waiving those fees. We should be waiving those permits and and helping them to get on their feet because it's continued revenue later on. You know, it's a long term plan. Not right. you know, you lose revenue at the beginning, but if if they succeed and they keep going, then it's the long term revenue. I would think that that would have to go through. I think Bill Buckley's office, community development. I know there's fees for dumpsters, there's mm-hmm. fees building inspections and kitchen and all that stuff. So I that's something to look into yep. because. Even though, you know, it's a couple hundred dollars here or there, but, you know, that's even make a it, small business. That's even make huge. it merit-based. I know the, the the mayor was on last week. He talked about his new mask police. That's not what he's calling it. That's what I'm calling it. He's in his new mask police, and they're going around to businesses to make sure people serving food and stuff are wearing a mask. If you've got businesses that haven't been hit, you know, they, they, the mask police go in and say, no, these guys are doing fine. And make it merit-based. Okay, th- those guys that are doing it right will maybe waive some of their permits and help them out. Those that aren't following the rules, maybe not so much, but I think there's a lot that the city could be doing that kind of seems like they're not. Okay. Yeah. It's, I guess it's that tough piece where I'm still learning every day. Right. Like, well, you're new. Well, you're, I'm not putting it on you. No, but, but since it, you're on the council, I'd ask No, you. it's a great question. And, you know, if there are small businesses that are uh, somebody, an owner, somebody who works there is watching this, reach out to me. I'll, you know, I'll put whatever forward out, you know. I'm going to have a conversation with Bill Buckley at some point now and go, hey, this is this is an idea somebody brought to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and don't give me do? credit because Saber McCarty will vote no immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's just little things like that. If there's little things that we can do to help support these businesses at this point, besides just continuing sending business their way, I'm all on board because you know we you know we did talk about Bada Bing and the food, and you've had Lisa on Williams AFC Urgent. Oh, that's, she's you know, amazing, right? Anytime there's a anytime there's a cause in Methuen, these are the ones that are stepping up. You know, right. John's going to bring food at a discount or give you food for free if you if you're doing an event. Lisa's always there with a check to help sponsor an event. Can we get Butterbinks to sponsor your column? Oh, that would be so. that would be great. <laughs> Maybe we right? it's, like, it's like three hundred a month. He sponsors your column. His his ad will go underneath your column because you've already given them a good review. So they can't. Nobody will say. Nobody can say they're buying a good review. They've already, you've already given them a good one, right? We'll have to talk so we already to we already eat there anyway, right? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I eat there way too much. Really? But um, no, I think we. It's something we need to do because if you look, like you mentioned, with the ones in the red, the numbers aren't going anywhere at this point. Even though the numbers are skewed a little bit, there were sixty. Four new cases last week. Sixty-three of them are able to be taken care of, either asymptomatic or mm-hmm. have symptoms or at home. And there's only one hospitalized. Those are the numbers that people need to see as well. Right. So, um, my fear is as these numbers keep going up, that more and more stuff's going to be, you know, whether it's the governor, 
you know, coming down with, with a hammer again and shutting more stuff down. But the thing or, is, it's going to keep spreading. It's a virus. That's what viruses do. And the more we lock down and the more we shut down, the more, the longer it's going to take for that virus to spread and give us herd immunity where it's, it's kind of worked its way out like other, other COVIDs have. We've had other COVIDs, right? So my look at it, it's now been seven months, right? This all pretty much- Seven months into a three-week, let's flatten the curve. As much as the science keeps changing, there's a lot of things out there that are, that are pretty well known. And at this point, adults are able to make an educated decision on what they want to do. Do they not feel comfortable going out to eat? Well, that's your option. You don't have to go out to eat. You know, you don't have to, you know, if trick-or-treating on, on October 31st. If you don't feel safe about passing out candy, then you shut your light off like you would any other year. You don't pass it out. If you don't feel comfortable taking your kids trick-or-treating, you stay home and you find other options. Right. I feel like there's enough information out there now where we should be allowing these adults to make the decisions for themselves. I agree. There's no, there's no room for the city, any city, any town, to tell people they can't go out and trick-or-treat. I don't need the government's permission to put candy out for kids. I really don't. And I wonder at the local levels, especially with, with our mayor, and I like him, but I think he's just wrong about this, because they give no thoughts at all to civil liberties or civil rights or the, or the Constitution when they're making these decisions. And I know that they're making decisions based on safety, and they feel like they have to because they're elected, and if something bad goes wrong, they don't want to get blamed. But we do have a Constitution still. It doesn't say unless COVID after the First Amendment, right? And, and I, just, I just wish that local leaders would care more about our civil liberties and take your view... People are grown-ups, and if they want to go out and they want to take a risk, let them go out and take a risk. That's up to them. And those who don't take the risk will obviously, you know. Well, I, you know, as much as I disagree on a lot of the stuff that the governor has done, he came out the other day and said, as a state, we're not banning Halloween statewide as trick-or-treating because right. all that's going to do is send people inside, and you're going to have large parties. Right. So if somebody's trick or, if a neighborhood decides, hey, we're going to do trick-or-treating, but a, a, a mayor says no or, you know. <coughs> What's going to happen? Are they are they going to go around and they are ticketing families of three? You're going to have Halloween walking? police. I don't know. I think it, I think it, that's a slippery slope because it's it's you know I know the chief and police department ramp up controls on Halloween you know patrols on Halloween night, especially this year where it's on a Saturday. But how if you get kids walking neighborhoods? Just if, if you candy. can if you can pull up to Chick Fil A and have them hand you a bag of food, if you can pull up to McDonald's or Burger King. And have them hand you a bag of food. There's no reason why kid can't knock on my door and I can't hand him a bag of candy. Oh, I've got I an mean, eight, I've got an eight foot piece of PVC pipe that's like this round that's just going to attach to my railing, and I'm just going to shoot it, <laughs> and I'm going to shoot it down the railing, put the bag underneath. I'll have hand sanitizer there. When you started that, I had pictured something different in my head of you having your mouth on the other oh. end and having people oh. just shoving food. There was in an the- idea where I could put the candy there with a leaf blower and just shoot it or a slingshot. Right. But you know, I think there's ways that I think there was right. there are ways that you can do trick or treat more safe than we have in the past and put people at ease, and then. If you don't feel it, you don't feel that comfortable. There's going to be other options, whether it's a, a like a drive-through at the loop, like the mayor was talking about the other day, or other options. But at some point, the mental health piece has to come into play. At this I point, agree. we have taken so much away from our from the, this younger generation. I had a high school senior last year who pretty much lost everything. We went to the, his graduation, and it was pretty sterile. You know, he kind of walked away and was like, "Yeah." You know, so at some point we need to get back to living our lives and allowing the adults to make the choices that we trust them to do every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big sports guy. There are inherent risks with any sport that I was going to sign my child up to play. So I don't understand when it comes to now football or boys lacrosse or some of these other sports now. I'm not able to make that choice right. because it's COVID. But right. if it was a concussion or an it's ACL all about, tear, it's all about control. It's not. It's not about safety. It's all about control and people in positions of power using safety to to maintain control. That's really what it's political control. Um, I, I heard a phrase the other day and it was perfect. They said this is obedience training. Someone said this is this whole mask thing is obedience training. The government wants to see how they how obedient they can make us, what they can get away with making us do or not do. And listen, I haven't changed my. I'm. I'm I, I have. Uh, I have uh, uh, an autoimmune disease. I am more at risk than anybody, right? I haven't changed my lifestyle since the day it happened. We actually did a show. We we never stopped doing the show. I mean, when they closed down COVID, I did a show the next week and said this is all bullshit. 
And people were like, oh my God, you're putting people's lives at risk. Well, most of what I said, not everything, but most of what I said back then turned out to be true. It's not as easily transmissible on services like they said it was. And we all knew that if we have common sense, because we'd go to this corner store and we'd buy milk or bread, and we'd all be using the same keypad to put in our PIN numbers. And those places didn't become hotspots, right? So we knew, we knew a lot of that stuff, I think, common sense-wise, um, but we're not scientists. So if you say it, you're not a scientist, that means, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. So I can't wait for the creativity to come out for Halloween. Seriously, right? all, yeah. the little, all the houses... Americans are a genius, right? We've invented most great things that have happened in society. There's no reason why we can't find a way to do trick-or-treating and just do it safely. There's just no, there's no reason for it. But, you know, again, you have people, and again, I just disagree with the mayor on this. You have people who, who want to put safety first as if safety is the be all and end all. And, you know, we are grownups. We can take risks. And if the risk is minimal, then we ought to be able to have the choice to make that risk. We all, you know, it's not like we are all just, do what I, all we want to do every day, right? We we drive down roads, there's stop signs, there's mm-hmm. there's lights, there's cross, you know, there's all these safety precautions put into place on our everyday life, and we don't blink twice about right. them. So, and then you that inherent risk. Well, if I don't feel safe driving, I don't drive. Right. I get, so I I just feel like at some point, when it was a couple of weeks or a month or two months, I understand it, but now you're getting into seven eight months at right. this point. We can't close and, down the country forever, or we have no country. Right? We're all going to be speaking Chinese in about six months if we keep going this way. But you, but you adapt. So I wear a mask pretty much wherever I go. I carry it with me. I have hand sanitizer in the car. And if I'm going into a public place, I'll always have it on. And, that you know, it's more of I feel, you know, I'm, I'm not the healthiest guy anyway. So <laughs> I'm probably, you know, I, I need to take those precautions. We take care of my mother-in-law who's 76 and a lung cancer survivor. So... It, you know, it'd be almost a death sentence at that point. So we need to make sure that, you know, in our house that we that we do that. So, and we've been doing it for seven months and we'll, we'll continue to do it. But it was no different than, you know, if last year somebody in the house had the flu. All right, so all right, we're not going to, I'll go down and check on your mom. Right. You know, so, but it's just a little more scary because we've lived it. My mom had it in late March and was in the hospital and it wasn't good. But right. You know, luckily everything turned out well, and she's home, and she's back to her old self. But it was a, it was scary for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't go into a hospital. You, you know, if you have somebody who's sick, you can't even go into a hospital at this point and st- see them. So right. it was. As long as we get those great food columns every month, that's really all that matters. Hey, I'm right. back, and you know, you're gonna bring me with you when you go, though, because yeah, yeah, well, you have great taste in food. <laughs> well, this month I definitely I, re- I had a couple people reach out. They mentioned Ellie's, and they mentioned Muddy's, Muddy Waters, which is a place I've been to a bunch of times in the past, but I've never really sat down and had a meal there. Mm-hmm. So it's someplace I want to try, because that's another place that is really good I get, and gives back to the community. I'm an well. appetizer guy, and we got to get to our guests. Other, yep. other I'm an appetizer guy. I judge a place based on their appetizers. If the entree is good, but the appetizers suck, I don't go back. <laughs> um, because you can always go back and just have appetizers. If the appetizers are good, right. that it makes the whole meal. I feel like if the appetizers are bad, it sets the, it sets the plate, and then all right. of a sudden the, ap- the meal could be great, but you already got that sour taste. And most of my lunches like business lunches. It's like meeting with guys like you to talk about you know politics, elections, whatever. And all I do is order appetizers because we're going to be there for an hour just to talk. I'm not really there to eat. I'm there to talk. Um, and so when we went – I'm trying to – I just had – oh, um, Fireside on um, Pelham Street. Pelham Street has great nachos. They have great hot wings. Uh, and they actually have good entrees, but I, I never get to the entrees because I, order, I usually order three or four appetizers <laughs> and then I'm full. Right. right. There was, I went, you know, it's in the column this month. We went to a Long, Long Blue Cat Brewery in Londonderry and they had smoked wings. Oh, nice. And I was like, oh, you know, I know you're a Hut fan, but I am. they had five or six different sauces. They were they were huge. And I liked the smoked flavor to mm-hmm. them a little bit. And then, you know, the mango habanero dipping sauce, yep. which was pretty good. But yeah, I, I love a good hot wing. And Sparky's, you've been to Sparky's, I'm sure. Yes, I've been to Sparky's. <laughs> so I read the Phantom Gourmet's uh, review, and they said that the peanut butter and jelly hot wings were the best. And I thought, how the hell can that be good? Peanut butter and jelly hot wings? It, it's weird. No it has way. a weird taste to them. I think I got them I as, ordered them and I couldn't believe how good they were. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I got them at, was it P I think I may have had them at P Dubs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, another really good place in Methuen that does really good wings. They have 18 different flavors. Mm-hmm. They're not the breaded wings. You, know, you can get all, you know, if you like it sweet, they have that option. You know, Bada Bing as well. Their sweet chili wings are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, it's good to have options in Methuen, finally. Now, if I can just figure out a way to get a brewery 
in Methuen. <laughs> right. <laughs> That'd be great. You know, you got Spicket River and well, Lawrence. Well, you, you could ask Tom Luce here, but he's not here anymore. <laughs> I've been I've had the I've had the conversations with um Bill Buckley about trying to figure out a way and as I go to these breweries and I talk to people I'm like hey if you're ever looking to expand mm-hmm. you know here's my name reach out to me we'll right. find a place because I guess um before I was on the council Spicket River was in uh, you know in talks to move into Indispad but it kind of fell apart and that's how they ended up in Lawrence but I'm glad for them to be able to find their place it's a great location. They have a bunch of tables out back. They have their food trucks. It's a really great sure. atmosphere down there. With us also is uh, Ginny Ann. You got it. That you right? got it. You yeah, got I had it. to write it down to get it right. <laughs> and uh, and Christina Lynn, and they're here to talk about addiction. And this is good for, goes good with Joel because Joel's got a food addiction like I do. <laughs> I gained thirty five. I did honest to God, gained thirty five pounds during COVID. No, I, I did. I gained thirty five pounds during COVID. You guys both did some damage. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> All that takeout—it was just—it was all that takeout. And then you couldn't just, go anywhere, kept, right? Yeah, because you're not moving around, right? <laughs> um, so it's good to have you guys here because some people actually have food addictions, right? Yeah, so it kind of it's a real thing. Time. Meld yep. the two topics. Um, taught, both of you who uh, wanted to talk about addiction, you want to talk about your uh, previous addictions, um, but I want to start with how you handle people that have addiction that you're trying to get into uh, rehab. Well, we. Do a lot of Steve. outreach in um, in Manchester, New Hampshire. We we literally just go out there and do what we can with the low that we have. We haven't had to get anybody in, into an intake facility as of yet. We ha- we are still trying to build our resources to be able to do that and to con- make those connections with people. Mm-hmm. So that's the work that we're doing. As of right now, we're just really trying to get out there and work with the homeless, work with people that are suffering from addiction, work with people that are suffering from mental health issues. Because they usually go hand in hand, the addiction and the mental health right. issue. It's a dual diagnosis. Mm-hmm. We are, we're seeing a lot of that, and we're just trying to alleviate some of that everyday pain that they go through. And we do that by bringing them meals, bringing them clothes. But as far as getting people into detox, we are still working on making our connections to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you talked to Mike, uh, Mike Gorman about that? Because we've got Tuxbury Detox comes down to yep. TMF every Wednesday night. And if somebody is, we've learned that if someone says they want to get into rehab and you don't get them right that minute. You have, they have to want it. And a lot of the people right. on the street right now don't want it. If you don't want it, I, I can't force you. Right. You have to want that recovery. But we found if we get someone who says, yes, I think I'm ready to go into detox. You can detox, get them right in. If you don't get them right that minute, five minutes later, they're thinking about their next fix and you've lost them. Lost right. Them. And so you've got to get them when they say they're ready, which is why we like to have Tuxby Detox there at the and scene. And I love that. I, I love what TMF does. And the first time I, I met Michael was at your one of your bash events. And I literally seeked him out and I said, I love what you're doing. I want a part of it. And that's how Michael and I connected. And I just started showing up at the events and making connections with different people, talking to different people. But how come people? you never bring Ginny in with you? I, well, I, I, I was she's there. been there. I've been there many she's times. <laughs> I took well, I mean, she was there last night. I, yes. But I think that was the first time I'd seen you. Oh, no, she's been there about okay. it, over a handful of times. I don't know how I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> Were you wearing a mask or something? Maybe? No. No. No, I was in the dark all the time. <laughs> right, right. Bring in clothes, bring in donations at right. the beginning of the year. You're going to come over and hang out with us at the cars in the back afterwards. Yeah. That's what we do. We like to, like, right when we get I there, we usually get our. We usually like dive right in, yeah. get going, yep. get stuff organized, yep. get the tables, and then I come visit you. Right. Talk about your addiction. Talk about how you got into this. So probably about 17, 18, 16 to 18, I started drinking a little bit, um, going to parties, you know, and then how it usually happens, um, I ended up meeting my ex-husband, Ryan, freshman in year of high school. He ended up getting kicked out because he had a joint. And he went to Lawrence Tech, and I didn't see him until my senior year in prom. And we got together, started dating September, and um, four months after that, he ended up getting into a major car accident in Methuen. He hit a tree, and uh, he was on life support. Um, This was back in 2003. And um, right, right before that, we started dabbling into coke and drinking every single weekend or every single time we were together. Um, I was working full-time. He was working full-time. He was in electrical. I was in medical field. Um, and then he hit a tree. The, I, our, entire, I, our entire relationship shifted. So 19 years old, being faced with somebody who you're dating and you can leave on deathbed, you know, right. just leave and say, I don't want any part of this. Mm-hmm. Or you can stick with a person and fight 
for with everything for them. Right. And I chose to fight. So how'd I was. That how'd that work out? Um, he actually died by suicide, 2013. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So it didn't work out that well. But I mean, fighting addiction every single day, both of us with Percocet, with any type of like. Did it, did it start? Did it start with the pills? Did it start with the prescription it pills? With Coke. Okay. And then my back went out, and he actually he. When he came out of his coma and he started nurturing himself back to health, he was already on fentanyl. He was already on Dilaudid. He was already on Percocet. So he's already doped up right. from 2003 to 2007. That's when the opiate addiction went a huge boom into this entire world. So I was on just 5 milligram of Percocet, 10, 10 milligram, trying every single which way to get more medicine, just saying to my doctor, you know, I've, I've took too much, you know, and back then they weren't educated right. on it enough. Right. So they, so would, they would just write the script. They would just write it. Every, every single, I miss those days. <laughs> once, every, you could do a week, you could fill it a week before it was actually due. Now you can't even fill it 24 hours before they do because of the opiate crisis. I got addicted to Vicodin because I had a wisdom tooth out. And they gave me a prescription for Vicodin, but it was like four thousand pills, right? Like I don't I, obviously I'm exaggerating, right? Yeah, no, right. But but they gave me like an unlimited number of, of Vicodin, yeah. and I was eating them like candy because if you take a Vicodin, that makes you feel really good. And that's how a lot of addiction starts. So people go in for a procedure. That's how a lot of athletes become addicts. Yeah. Right. They have an injury. They go in for surgery. Right. They get put on painkillers. Yeah. Boom! It gets turned it into an addiction. The pain. It so back it. when I used to drink, which I, I haven't, I, I don't, I, not that I'm an alcoholic, but I just I don't like it anymore. So I generally don't drink. Every once in a while, I have one. Yeah. Um, but back when I used to drink, I was taking the Vicodins, and I was drinking, and I had a seizure. Mm. And it scared the hell out of me. I thought I was going to die. Mm -hmm. So I went cold turkey. I locked myself in my apartment, and I went cold turkey and threw up for about four days. Yep. And, you know, slapped and hugged the toilet an awful lot. And when, I, when it was over, I was like, okay, I'm going to just stay away from whatever these opioids are. And yeah. that was long before the opioid crisis. It was long before... All of this, I can't even imagine now how powerful fentanyl and some of these other oh things are. How someone can get off of it? Yeah. Well, my Joel, I have a history of it. My my father was a heroin addict. He died when I was fifteen. So I get petrified. So I just had the knee replacement surgery. I, I take over. I take those medicines like very right. Very, I'd rather suffer. I don't a even bit. like to take aspirins now. Yeah. I'm so I took by the set. I had the surgery on a Thursday. By Saturday, I'd weed myself off the oxygen. That's awesome because. Yeah. I just there's there is studies out there that there, there's, there's a, bi a there's a biological can, yeah there's yeah. a biological component there's a hereditary component to this right and that's why that's when I got in my twenties I became very aware of it because I I come from a history of it as well which is why I never I suffer from mental health issues but not so much that like an addiction piece because I was always very aware of where I came from and I knew where I could go and I just didn't want to go down that road like things were dark enough without. Yeah, I remember drugs. going to meetings with my father. You, you know, twelve or thirteen in the in basement of a church in Revere, yeah. and hearing the stories of you know him and out. You know, it's I didn't realize it at the time, but you know he was going in and out of ball paint, and, you know, in mm -hmm. and out of rehab, and it really. And then when you get older, you're like it really just like all right, and then you read about the hereditary stuff, yeah. and you're like I'm staying away from this as much as I can. And now when I have surgeries or any of that stuff, it's like. I'll be all right with the Tylenol. I'd rather yeah, suffer I, I'll, for a I'll little say, bit. give me, give me a few like Motrin if if I ever need anything done. Yeah, and then once that's done, it's it's over. Yeah. What advice can you give to families who think that maybe they have a family member that might be addicted? It's very difficult because the person doesn't want to go to, to to detox. They want to continue taking the drugs. They're addicted to it. It's something they're physically addicted to. Um, and the family doesn't know what to do or how do they recognize it? I mean, a lot of people don't know that, you know, their 30-year-old kid that's living at home is, is raiding their medicine cabinet every day and getting addicted. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what, what kind of advice do you give to them? Set boundaries and have as much patience as you can. You have to set boundaries with them. You have to don't, don't enable. Yeah, don't try and be their savior either. Don't try and be They're their gonna savior. They're going to do it no matter what. You can try and help them. You can love your child. But don't enable them. And you have to set boundaries. Boundaries are there to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why we have boundaries. I have boundaries with everyone in my life. Yeah. Well, I except for to. one person, but we won't get into that. <laughs> so, so then, how, like, the situation you mentioned, how does a parent deal with that if you want to set that boundary, but at some point, it's th they're living in the house, mm -hmm. you know, because now if you say, if you're going to continue this behavior, you can't stay here mm -hmm. anymore. And then if you do that piece and now they're not in the house anymore, right. there's a bigger piece of now what are they going to do out in the street when they're not under there? How do you handle those situations? When Most of the homeless that we, that we deal with who are addicted, um, we ask them, you know, do you have family? Almost all of them say yes, we, they have families. Some of them even have mom and dad still at home. 
But they've they've stolen from them. They've, burnt, they've lied they've to them. They've burned that bridge. You've lived that. And it's, You've and it's, lived that. It's, it's hard. That. When I was driving, when I was actually going live chasing police calls, and in between calls, I'd stop and give a blanket to a homeless person or something. I got a call one day from a guy who said, I was watching your live feed last night, and I saw my daughter. We've been looking for her for four years. Wow. She's on Broadway. Um, can you get a message to her? Um, and he drove around trying to find her, but he doesn't know Lawrence. He doesn't know where to go. So I went out. I actually found her like within an hour. She was on Broadway. And told her that her, you know, her parent, and gave her the phone number, and she called, and I guess they had like a little conversation, but they, they're not still not ready to bring her back home because she's still addicted, she's still stealing for her drugs, she's still in that mode. What does a parent do? Your kids out on the street, you want to help them, you don't want them to die, you don't want them to be on the streets, especially a city like Lawrence, mm -hmm. but you also can't bring them home. Like, what do you do? I'm not a hundred percent opposed to basically forcing somebody into treatment because sometimes they need that three days clean to basically clear up the cobweb. Can you force somebody I, into treatment? Is you that, can. Okay. How, you do, can. how do you do you, that? If, if, they, if they're committed a section, you can, if you are their legal guardian, but if this is somebody over 18, it's a little bit more difficult to do that. Mm -hmm. They can sign out whenever they want. They can walk out um, whenever they want. Yes. Yep. Okay. They have to want it. We go back to the beginning. They have to want to be clean. They have to want to get the help. Mm -hmm. You can try and help a person, but you have to, Remember that you can't lose yourself in that person. I've done it many times. I've been clean since July of 2016 after my back surgery. And I'm only clean because I went to go get more pills from my surgeon after he loaded me up nine days, I think, with Dilaudid 4 milligram. He gave me 90 pills. Maybe it was six days. And he's like, here, have this script before your surgery. Six or seven days before my surgery, I'm like, why the fuck are you giving me 90? Like, why are you giving me 90 tabs? I, I don't understand this. I just told you I'm, I'm, I'm an addict to Percocet. It's not touching my pain anymore, but you're going to go ahead and give me, all right, let's mm -hmm. do this. So it was just party central. My ex-husband ended up get doing a 90-day Boy, I wish I knew her present. back then, Ben. Oh, you would have had a ball. <laughs> you would have had a ball. Was, <laughs> I'm telling you, it just it, the abuse in my two marriages, um, both parties, um, I just knew how to pick them. And was there ever a moment for you that you said, I can't do this anymore? Like, was that what I'm saying? Like, was when I say done, when I'm done with something, I'm done. Like, there's a capital D-O-N-E. Done with my relationship marriage. Done with my addiction. I, I needed It to all happened done. at once. The marriage went down. The yep. addiction went. Everything yep. terminated the, at once. The, the um, addiction ended before the marriage ended. So... Well, yeah, divorce takes time. Yeah, divorce takes time. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm going, I'm going to me the right way, and you're you're going off this way. So I'm just gonna stay on my path, and you can go do, do your own thing. Right. And he's freaking been in prison like wow. five times since then. Mm. Not my problem. It has nothing to do with me. I had to really figure out who I was, and four plus years later, here I am, well, clean, that's, that's sober. Fantastic. Now, do you do you work with any other groups? Do you work with? Um, House of Mercy or Daybreak SOS, or any of those SOS. groups? It's in Dover, um, Rochester, and Hampton. I've done volunteering hours there since uh, the, right in the beginning, like January, February, right when I started doing mm -hmm. um, the outreach. And they are they're a wonderful um, nonprofit organization, and they do a lot of recovery outreach um, in Dover, New Hampshire, and Rochester, New Hampshire. And they they're they're suffering up there. Every place it seems like. There's just so much more recently. We went yeah, up to when we went to Manchester, Manchester. we were like, "Oh my we god!" Started we were like, last, "The need here is, yeah. um, we have to make this out. a weekly thing to get up here." In um the courthouse, like the literally left right, right the on house. Like they're not on the rivers anymore. They're like right in the middle of a town. I'm like, well, what type of statement are they trying to make here? Like obviously, there's a need for help, mm -hmm. but where is? How can that happen mm -hmm. so fast and no one? help or do anything. And then you have the sign that says, stop panhandling. Stop panhandling. Help, help the, the homeless. homeless. And I was oh like, it's like one we're, of those we're, flashing we're like, light. that's a contradiction, but all right. right. Like, I don't, I, then get out there and help. I've I learned, mean, I've learned never to give a homeless guy money. I'll give them food. Never give them money because that's yeah. going right to the drugs. That's going we right have, to yeah. the drugs. But I'll go through food. a drive-through yep. at Wendy's or something and bring it over. Say, if you're hungry, I'll buy you, I'll get you a drive-through somewhere. What do you want? What do you want? 50% of them say, no, that's okay, because they really just want the money they for really drugs, want the drugs, even though the sign says I'm hungry. Yep. <laughs> the other 50% say, no, I'm really hungry. Thank you for, thank you for yep. doing that. And those are the people that you try to gravitate And we, we saw a lot of that last night, because we went, we, we fed them in Manchester. We literally tried to do it we as did like as a we could. Dinner. We, didn't, we didn't know if we were going to shut down, get shut down. We didn't know if the cops were coming, because we so we were like, come on, come eat something real quick, and then, yep. and then screw, we, we're just trying to give you 
a meal. We're just trying to provide a basic meal. She wanted to do pizza. I said, no, if you're going to give a meal, you need homemade chicken cutlets from me and you need pasta. And I said, so all right, I, since I she can cook, she can Tuesday, cook really yeah. good. And She's just racking up points off the right on. I, I, I knew that would get you. I knew that would get you. If she, like, if, if she irons, I'm going to marry her. And I always I, said I'd never get married, but if she, if she cooks and irons, I'm in. Uh, who, why ironing? Just ironing. throw it in the dryer. Dry? Oh, I don't have a dryer. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging out the window. <laughs> yeah. So that's a no on the ironing. No on the ironing. Nope. He's making mental notes right I now. Am. Yeah. No. Lost twenty points. <laughs> two, that's out of, okay. two out of three ain't bad. Tom. That's true though. That's true. She still has a good score. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So when you when you when you're out there and you're working with um, some of these addicts, it's very dangerous. Yeah, yeah, um, of course it is. You know, we yeah. we've had some incidents, right? Yep. With uh, when we're out at Manchester Park or other places, we've had incidents. I actually had to draw my weapon on on a guy who came out of his tent with a hatchet. He was so drugged up on PCP or something. He saw me, but he thought I was some kind of evil monster. Like he was seeing something different than really? what everybody else saw, and. Um, and I was like, listen, I brought you food. I can shoot you or I can feed you. It's up to you. And it finally clicked in. And he's like, oh, food. And he smelled it. And he put the hatchet down. And I fed him. And he was fine. I was actually live on Facebook when that, my mom was flipping out. Um, but, but my point is, it's, it's very dangerous because you don't know the mental illness that, of the people that you're dealing with. You don't know how violent they may or may not be. They might have just gotten out of jail. Mm -hmm. And yet you're going into these places. Do you bring security? Do you go armed? Do you, do you, what, kind of, what kind of protocols do you use? Because... You know, I, I, I don't go unless I'm armed. We've never brought anything with us. We, yeah, really? There's no kind the of police protection. We, no. That's not a good thing. Well, we, we have mace. That's We just got we, mace. We have mace. Yeah, she just got On Sunday, she was like a little... I felt it. I'm like, you know what? We have, there's more people here. There's so much activity going on in She the was streets. like, we need and to like, do something to protect us. I was yeah. like, oh, all right. I go, mace. I go, that will that'll yeah, work you, for now. You guys, especially being as beautiful as both of you are, should have a gun permit. Right. Oh, I've, I've, I've heard that from multiple people. Yeah, you should have I'm getting that from many yeah. different ends. Now you, what, what town do you live in? I live in Haverhill. You're in Haverhill. Haverhill. And you're in, all right. So um, Denaro is not anti-gun. The chief and, and the chief's the one that makes the decision. You guys should apply. You should, you should be, you should be protecting yourselves because there's a lot of people who have done this, uh, homeless outreach who aren't here anymore because they turned their back on the wrong guy. Yeah. And it's sad. Uh, it, it discourages other people from doing it. We've had people that have come out with us that won't do it again because of situations that have happened, and and I worry. I worry about you know the 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 angels out there like you guys who are out there trying to do good and trying to trying to help people that might not even want the help. You're putting yourselves at, at, at risk. We we have had that conversation because for a long time we weren't carrying no. anything with us. No. It was just her and I and our bad attitudes. Like that was it. That take was Joel our with you. <laughs> you take Joel with you, they'll run. It doesn't matter if they've got an axe or a machete. If they see Joel, they're going in the other direction. <laughs> when I first saw him, I was afraid. I almost ran in the other direction. It looked like a big teddy bear. I, I, that's what I was yeah. going to say. It's well, the first time I met about him. him. He looked, I, I thought you looked very pleasant. Thank you. So I, I have get, food. I'm good. I have food. I've been out of work for a month. Everything's good right now. So I've reached out for donations multiple months. Uh, every single time I reach out for to to toiletries, conditioning, shampoos, body washes, anything. And we'll go where, wherever we need to go pick it up. Nashua, yeah. Andover, Marymount, Wyndham, Derry, we'll, London, Derry. So it sounds like, Tom, they, they're running into the same things. Like Michael does, where the local businesses and everyone's willing to step up, mm -hmm. but the, the governments are the ones right now that are kind of failing right. these individuals right. because there aren't the services that they need. It it becomes these, like these two women here, or other people willing to step up and help. And we really need the these governments to, who can really step up and bring that situation. Well, that brings me to a good well. point because during the election, I asked, I think, at all of the debates, um, if someone becomes homeless in Methuen, if someone's addicted, they become homeless in Methuen for whatever reason. There are no services in, in, for them in Methuen. There's no place for a homeless person to go and get help in Methuen. So if you're a Methuen resident who paid taxes your whole life, owned a home, had a business, owned a, had a family, and you hit hard times and you end up on the street, you end up in Lawrence because that's where the services are, mm -hmm. or so people think, right? There's not really quite as many services. It's, it's a hard, hard. Tell you, it is a hard system to navigate. Yeah. It is a difficult system to navigate. You trying to get somebody on the phone? Well, You've got to leave it. a message. You're right. going to hear get back it. in 48 hours. Right. No, I need 48, may, maybe two weeks. So we need, we need people in Methuen to be more mindful of this and start working on having some kind of outreach service. Like we've got a youth center in almost every community. We've got a senior center in almost every community. We ought to have a homeless shelter in almost every community because if you don't, people from Lawrence, I mean, I'm sorry, people from Methuen, North Andover, 
Andover. They become homeless. They all go to the same same place. They're mm-hmm. all in Lawrence. And now you've got all these people who are addicted with mental illnesses all in the same place. And guys like Dan Rivera have to deal with it. Unfortunately, his d- idea of dealing with it is not dealing with it. It's pretending it doesn't exist. Ignore it until it goes away. It's completely right? there. Ignore it until it goes um, away. And so that, that exacerbates the problem because they're all going there and now they're not getting the services. We, we need people like Mike Gorman, yeah. people like you. Uh, people like Nancy. Because we we want to do the work. Right. We yeah. want to do the work. Absolutely. Like we want to put the work in. So yeah. we should task Joel to do that. We 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 need we need Joel to be our, our homeless ambassador <laughs> on the city council. Because I think in Methuen there are organizations that are willing to help individuals and families, but not when at at the point of homelessness, it's kind of like right. All right now you got to go. Well, right. in Methuen, that's why Cares was created to basically help families that 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 are in need, especially when COVID hit. That's something that should I hope to see. Continue. Yeah, I'd love to see that grow into a nonprofit. Yeah. And be able to then expand the services right now. You know, it was a great idea by the city to do that, but the need is still there. I was, you know, as mentioned before, I was with Randy Carter today passing out food. Good guy. He's a great guy and his his heart's in the right place. But, you know, so he's like, well, I'm getting all these care packages. It's all perishable, so it's only good for a week. And what he does, he opened it up to Methuen Cares. You know, it's not just veterans at this point, you know. If you're a family in need, come on down. And that's what, you know, half of the group was. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a great start. But, you know, like you mentioned, now it's time at some point you got to look at the population. We're not a town anymore in Methuen. People keep wanting to say, well, we're a town that's a city. No, you're a population of 52,000 people. Yeah, you're a city now. It's a city. You know, sorry. But, you know, we need to treat it like a city for some of that stuff. And part of that is taking care of our population that needs the help. Right. And whether it's the food or whether it's addiction. I can't, tell you, I can't tell you how many people, when I'm talking to homeless people at TMF or when we're out doing our runs, and we ask them their names and talk to them, where are you from? Almost none of them are from Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I'd say a third of them are from Methuen. And when they say I'm from Methuen, it's like, well, Methuen has so much money. I mean, mm-hmm. compared to Lawrence, Methuen's got it together compared to Lawrence. Methuen should have some kind of a service for these people who are addicted and homeless so that they're not walking the streets of Lawrence, because it's you know not exactly you know, a safe place to be. Hasn't Methuen tried to open up like a couple different homeless shelters and places, but it's been shut down? Is that correct? I know Neil tried. Neil Perry tried when he first got in, and I think he was I think it was scuttled by somebody. But um, it needs to happen. Like, I, I, and we'll give them all the credit in the world. I'll put them on the front page of my paper. We'll write stories about them. We'll have them on the show. But it needs to happen. Like somebody needs to. With COVID, I think that put. Everything on the back burner, right? Everything in the world got put on the back mm-hmm. burner. But now that we're starting to emerge from it, it's time, I think, to revisit that and see if well, suburbs yeah. can't yeah, start. Definitely. Because then if, if Methuen has a place for homeless people or addicted people to go to get help, it eases the burden in Lawrence. If North Andover and Andover have it, it eases the burden in Lawrence. And then guys like Dan Rivera might not feel so overwhelmed, and he might be willing to go out and actually do something for the homeless people in Lawrence who are from Lawrence. But right now, the way it is, I mean, it's 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 just it's mayhem out there. It's the wild it west. It totally and is. And nobody knows where to go. And even if you want to get, unless you know someone like me or you or Michael Gorman, if you want to get off the street, if you want to get clean, like you said, you make a phone call. And maybe yeah. ninety days later, well, that's too late at that point. The guy could be mm-hmm. dead. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Like whenever we've gotten phone calls, we've look, we've gotten uh, people like coming to us looking for meetings or looking for housing, and we literally just get on the phone and start. Right making calls mm-hmm. and doing the absolute best that we yeah. can. Because, you know, they have no data. They have no Wi-Fi because they, they can't do anything because they're addicts and homeless. They're homeless. And they, yeah, we, just, we get a lot like, of that. Okay. <laughs> so let's help you right now. Let's, you know, let me What is funny something. is that every homeless person I know has a cell phone. Yeah. Yes. yes. And I, we, were, we were out last night and we were down at, uh, uh, well, I won't say where we were, um, but we were at one of the homeless encampments and the guy says, hey, you're that Duggan guy. I follow you on Facebook. <laughs> I'm like, you're homeless. How do you find me on Facebook? And he showed me on his phone. Oh, I got a phone. Like, they all have phones. Yep. Like, you have no food. You have no place to, but you get a phone? Like, how does that work? But they all do. So they have, it's, it's connection to the world. It's music therapy. It's, you know, if they want to look, do some, look at creativity, art, it's, it's something well, maybe to Why don't they look in, I mean, or they could be I looking into housing too. I right. mean, that's, yeah, that's that what I would do, right. but... But it, I get it. When you're in the midst of addiction, you're not. Yeah, really, that we had somebody. You're, you're using the live and living the use. We had somebody yesterday that something about bed bugs in a place up in Manchester, and we he wasn't going to go back there. It's, it was like six fifty, seven o'clock was check in, or else it's going to be on the street. It's always someone. And I'm else's like, fault. okay, so why don't? You, I mean, you already have a bed there, so just go there. I don't. I don't want to get bit. I'm like, but you already have that bed, so I. Yeah. I and that's a roof over your head, so just take it. And you, it's going to hustle know, and get over there. Mm-hmm. So we can so try and it. encourage it as much as 
as possible, but you know, people don't always take our, our advice, and that's okay. If someone is watching, and like I say, because they all have phones, so they might be watching us live, they might be watching on a, on a, on a replay, um, how do they get in touch with you if they want help? How do they, how do they reach you guys? Because I've actually got somebody I'm going to send you away that's got a bunch of donations that she's been looking for somebody to pick up. Oh, that's My awesome. truck's not big enough to pick up what she has, yeah. but you guys might have something. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. Um, Facebook, Journey of Hope. A Journey of Hope, yep. You can look me up online. I mean, um, my name I'm is Christina Lynn. Please feel so. free to add me, yep. mm-hmm. message me, and we can connect that way. Yep. It's all about connection, communication, all that. If you don't have that, then you're not going to have anything. Um, we're real. We're right here. We're probably If people the reach out people. to you after, please yeah. give me yeah. send them our information. Way. I'll send them all of my information yep. so we can connect. But we're just trying to connect with you. And, 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 and I know what people need the most, homeless, homeless acts need the most, boxer shorts. Yep. Toiletries, yep. socks, um, feminine hygiene products. There's a lot of a lot of women, yep. a lot of women on the streets. Yeah. I mean, yes. we're seeing more and more of almost every day. Yep. Um, and so those kind of things are the things that if people can donate. And as as the months get colder, we always are looking for like those the hand warmers. Yep. Socks are are a huge thing. Blankets. Sternos. Yes. I have a case of sternos. I've been driving around in my car since last since last uh, winter, because. As we're out there and we're talking to people, they're like, we're so cold. Can we get a sterno? Mm-hmm. And my first thought was, you give them a sterno, they're going to the, burn down their tent, right? Or they're going to use it to cook their drugs, right? But then we, we ran across a guy named Ralph. You guys all know Ralph, right? From uh, TMF, the, mm-hmm. the tall black guy he rapped. He was yep. rapping last night. Love Ralph. Um, and, and he was like, no, no, no. Like, we cook, we used to cook our food. And because it takes so long for the sterno to burn down, it warms the tent. Oh. It helps us. It helps us stay warm. So I, we, Nancy went out and got like four cases of sternos. I still have one in my car just in case for emergencies. So if people want to donate, you know, sterno cans, boxers, uh, toiletries, socks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think socks is the one thing that gloves. we get asked for the most. Yep. You know, gloves and hats for the wintertime, scarves mm-hmm. for the wintertime, yep. and blankets. Yep. Um, we're really lucky at the Valley Patriot because we put this out on Facebook all the time. I'll come home from the show and there'll be five bags of clothes sitting outside my, my office door. People want to help. Yeah, they yeah. do. People do want to help. But they don't know how. And that's one of the reasons right. I like to have people like you on because the people who want to help but don't know how to, you become the conduit to making that yeah. happen. And we're still we're still learning. We're yeah, still we navigating this. Every day. Mm-hmm. Every day we're still navigating this. I have this. a friend who says the same as that. He says, I'd rather give them money than you know, give them something else. I'm like, but you have to understand, if you're handing them money, they're not – Doing it, some are not doing it for the appropriate reason. Right. So you're just feeding yeah. their addiction. Because that money's yeah. going to go to drugs. 100%. I, th- I think what you said is spot on. People are more willing to help when they know exactly what the money's going to right. or whatever. Or if you say, this is what I need. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's a lot easier for people to do that instead of just saying, oh, I, hey, donate money to this cause. I think, you know, a yep. couple of times when Michael's put up there for special nights, hey, we're looking to do barbecue or they were doing the breakfast or whatever. Hey, we need X, Y, and Z or we need a couple bucks for this, people are much more willing to hand right. out that money when they know exactly where it's going or if it's just a, instead of just saying, hey, I need money to help. And there us. were some great yeah. businesses out there like Harrow's Pies yes. who follows me on Facebook. I've never met them, but they follow me on Facebook. They saw that Michael was looking for somebody to sponsor a food night one night to donate food. And they showed up with like 50 pies. And I don't mean little pies. I mean like the big pies. Mm. Um, and there was so much left over that we took them and we drove around to all the tent cities and we delivered them to the tent cities. My God, you would have thought it was Christmas morning when we showed up with those pies. They loved it. But here's a guy that owns a business at Harrow's Pies who sees that the community has a need. Mm-hmm. And he, out of his pocket, he donates, he donates the food. And there's a lot of people out there that like them. And we always want to highlight them when they do because you know, we want to highlight the people that do good things. Um, but had he not seen on my Facebook page the specific need that we had, he might, he might have always wanted to help but didn't know how. Right, and so that's why I think it's important to have guys like Michael Gorman come on from time to time, and you guys to come on to let them know they can always reach out to you through yeah. me. But give the what's the name of the um, a journey of journey hope. of hope. a journey of hope on Facebook. Yes, mm-hmm. so there's no no website, just a Facebook page, right. just a Facebook page right. as of right now. Where yep. We're working on I'm some the, things. I'm the only Ginny and Cialetta there, so it's yeah. just very <laughs> type my name in. No, I'm, I'm not asking this for personal reasons. I actually have a reason for asking this. Do either of you have boyfriends or husbands? Boyfriend. Boyfriend. Okay. Does he go out of his mind when he finds out you're going out to do this? <laughs> he um he is one of the people. Because if my girlfriend was doing this, really, I'd be pissed. Um, encouraging me. Yes. You know, he wants me to be safe, and that's his oh, yeah. biggest concern is is to stay safe. You know, he's like, I I love you so much. I don't know what I would do if anything happened to you. I just need you to be 
safe when you go and do this and you're not being safe. Right. So and I agree with that. You're not being safe. It's never a fight. He's very supportive of, of everything I do and everything I'm trying to accomplish. But his biggest concern is my safety. And I get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if I was dating somebody that hot, I wouldn't want her out there doing any of this <laughs> stuff. I just wouldn't. I'd be like, you're not, I'm going with you and I'm coming with like 15 guns with me. <laughs> you are not going out there to do that. But so you've and, seen, you've seen stuff. Yeah. We have not yet. I think Sunday we've seen was the, the mental, first. We've seen the mental. I've seen a lot of that working, working in psych and I've seen yeah. a lot of that, that behavior, but it doesn't like you were more freaked out than I was. I was like, I was, oh, and he, I don't get freaked and out. She does I've been around out. it so many times that I just was like this. But where we were so right. exposed and yeah. unfamiliar, I think she was really worked out. I was just kind of like, oh, he's probably dual diagnosed. I, I kind of blew it off a little bit, but yeah. you, you were right for being concerned. Yeah. Yeah. I always tell everybody in this business to watch American Sniper. Yeah, um, yeah. Because yeah, at yeah. the very end, here's a guy that, you know, he went off to war. He came back. He was helping homeless veterans. He took a veteran out to go shooting with him, turned his back to the guy for three seconds, yep. and the guy shot him and killed him. For whatever reason, maybe he thought he was a monster, he was having a flashback, whatever. That's mental illness. And, and so and I always say to Nancy and, and Chris and everybody that comes out with us to do the homeless stuff, Chris Kyle, Chris Kyle, Chris Kyle, mm-hmm. you got to remember that in the back of your head. No matter how much you might think you know that person because you've serviced them before, they've come to TMF, you're familiar with them, that doesn't mean they're safe. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they're safe. You cannot turn your back to these people. And you've got you've to have some kind of safety precautions mm-hmm. because it is very dangerous. And, it's, and it sucks because you want to go out and you want to just help people, yeah. right? And you don't want to put your life in danger doing it. But, but we can't but be ignorant. Are, we cannot right? be ignorant to it either. Right. We can't be. We know what mental health issues look like. We can't. I, I am full of hope and I absolutely love people, but I'm not ignorant to the fact that not all people are good. I do not. I am not, and do not have a relationship right now. But I am dating. But it doesn't matter because. Oh, I love. I, I love how you went back to that. Yeah. Okay. No, no. It, it's, it's a question there. <laughs> um, but I had an. I had more than enough in my two marriages to handle, and you know, with one passed away already, and the other one in prison, with all of his diagnosis, and still fighting the meth addiction, I'm. I'm solid. I'm good right now. I need to help. So she knows how to so, pick them. Right. I was yeah. just, well, I was just going to say she has really bad uh, uh, taste in men, <laughs> so I should be all right. Oh, you should be good. You should be golden. <laughs> Consummate bad boy. So we've got a few minutes left. Um, what do you want people to come away from today's show with, the addicts and the families of addicts? What, what is it that you want them to remember? Because they're going to watch the show. They're going to remember maybe one thing that everybody said. What's the one thing you wish that they'd remember from today? Don't ever give up on your family because they always come through. I, I came through. Um, whether they're set free in their own world, um, that's a tough pill to swallow. No pun intended by that. But And if they just come free living... Like I'm free living right now. What do you mean free living? With no, no tie down, no addiction, okay. n- nothing tying me down. No, no. Um, what are those called? Come on, help me out. Shackles. Thank you. No shackles. Okay. No cuffs. You know, I'm free to do whatever I want. I'm doing. You're not burned the by good. your addiction. You're not, not living to use. You're not using to live. No. My thing. I I would say set boundaries, but be patient. You can love your family, but you can not always. You don't have to constantly try and fix them. No. Boundaries are necessary. They they are. You can love your family unconditionally. You can love your kids unconditionally, but you can still set that boundary. It's a hard. It's a hard thing to swallow. It really is. It's so hard. It, it, it's hard on your heart. Um, it's hard on the family's heart. Um, everyone, everybody suffers. For, no matter what, it's a family. It's, it's a family disease. It's a yeah. 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 All right, Joel. Any final words on our food? No. Just are we gonna open it? <laughs> you want me to pass it around? You guys can each grab a slice. I thought we were all going up for dinner after. <laughs> Take a slice, pass it around. Right. No, just as we talk, just keep supporting these local businesses. It's, you know, the biggest thing is don't punish the wait staff. Don't punish the bartender because they're asking you about the mask you when you go to the bar. You're Take just a checking slice. it out. What are you doing? Absolutely. She's but, like investigating. You know, the, they're struggling just like the rest of us yes, about trying to, um, you know, live under these guidelines. And, and make a living for their family. So don't take it out on them if they if you go to a restaurant. That's and they ask good because I have on. a hard I have a hard time with that, and I'm going to try and keep that in mind because I do take it out on the wait staff, and uh, and I, and I'll try and I'll try to be better about that. It is. It's tough. You know, a lot of you know, a lot of those waitresses went two months without 
you know, right. without employment. And considering they mostly live on tips, unemployment wasn't really helping them much anyway. Right. So, you know, it's not the waitress's fault if, you know, they, you know, hey, you need to order something with the drinks, you know, or you need to put a mask on when you go to the bathroom. They're just following the rules that are put in place, and the right. rules suck. Right. New Hampshire, you know, it's, it's like a different country at this point, and it's really tough on those yeah, There's no COVID north of the border at all. No, like, Nobody's stops. wearing masks. and But it's just, you know, it's bad enough with the regulations that are put in place in Massachusetts. Now you're a border town, and all those are lifted up in New Hampshire. Right. So just think of that as you go to these places. They're under a lot of stress, mm-hmm. and... Everyone's handling it differently. Be mindful of them. Oh, so basically, absolutely. just keep supporting each other. Yep, you have to, to the best of our ability. Mm-hmm. So, so did you guys have fun when you come back? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Really? I promise. I have a cigar next time. Oh, we're we're yeah. having a cigar <laughs> next time, though. Next time, you guys pick a cigar, and then we'll talk about which cigars you're smoking, and that'll make the owner of the studio very happy because he's <laughs> two guys smoke shop. Ben will be happy too, right? <laughs> I would love to do that. Yeah. So. Um, I want to thank our sponsors uh, here at the Paying Attention Podcast. Our new sponsor, Jeff DeFore, for our state representative. He's running in um, Tram Winds District, uh, the uh, the seat that used to be held by Jim Lyons, our good friend, who is now president of the uh, State Republican Committee. Uh, Four-star lighting and electric, a free plug for them. Joe Severio, great guy. He's uh, are, you, are you right? Yeah. Did you know Joe? Yeah, I've coached his son for lacrosse. His oh, nice. came through the program as well. Yeah. Really good guy. Good guy. We're hoping to have him on in November after the election's over. State Representative Lenny Mira, he is running for re-election, and we're really pulling for him because he's got an R next to his name, and we know that you know the Democrats are going to go D down the ticket. They hate Donald Trump. <sighs> so anybody with an R next to their name in Massachusetts is going to be in trouble. So uh, please give him and Jeff DeFore a call. Donate money to their campaign. Please vote for them. They support us, so we support them. Borelli's Deli. Uh, if you if you if you really want some good fresh meats, that's the place to go. I go to Borelli's Deli for my sandwich meats. I go to Thwaites for my regular meats, like steaks and chicken, which is where I'm going after this. Uh, EIS Security. Uh, EIS. We love EIS Security. If you need a gun permit. Like these two ladies, go to EIS, take their gun course, get certified, um, and it'll be make it easier for you to get your, your gun permit. Uh, Marcin and Son Construction, uh, we love Ronnie Marcin. We're trying to have we're trying to book him on the show. So, if Ronnie, if you're listening, we're still trying to reach you to book you on the show. AFC Urgent Care, uh, go get your COVID test. You go online, uh, you set an appointment, you drive up. They do it right in your car. You don't have to get out of your car. Um, and then they call you within like 24, 48 hours to let you know whether or not you're positive or not and make sure you're quarantined. They're great there. I've um, gone twice. Uh, have you really? Yeah. Yeah. It worked out yeah. well? Yeah. Excellent. Lovely set Williams at AFC, and they help the community a lot. Very and McLennan so. Real Estate. We love Janet McLennan and Sam and uh, and Matt and everybody over at uh, McLennan Real Estate. They just had their anniversary recently, right? The big, I think it was 50th? Yeah. 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 So. Yep. And they do, they do a lot. Of, they help us with TMF, too. Yeah. Uh, and they don't want to be thanked. They always just show up with food, and they're like, no, don't thank us on Facebook. We do it anyway. Because even though, especially when someone says that's not why they're doing it, don't thank us. That's, those are the people you want to thank the most. Mm-hmm. You know? So we thank uh, all, of our, all of our sponsors. Thank you to Ben Kitchen, our fine, fine producer. And it sounds like Melvin Taylor says we got to go home. So go home already. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.